Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Welcome to Significant Others. I'm Liza Powell O'Brien, and in yesterday's episode, we learned about how Amelia Earhart's husband, George Palmer Putnam, may have single-handedly caused the ghostwriting market to explode. Here to tell us more about what it's like to work as a writer for hire is author Hilary Lifton. Hilary, it's so nice of you to do this. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you are a professional ghostwriter. Is that the proper term? Correct. I'm, if we wanted to be formal about it, we would say collaborator, but collaborator is not as sexy a title. So I just go with ghostwriter. Well, I don't know that it's not sexy. I would just say it's less specific because collaborator can apply to so many things. That's right. right. So if, yeah, if I'm at a dinner party and I say I'm a ghostwriter, it, people get an idea of what I do, even though it isn't always in the shadows. Mm-hmm. How often do you find yourself talking about what you do? You know, you'd be surprised. Yeah. People, I think people are curious about ghostwriting just because they're aware. I mean, the books that ghost, that are ghosted, it's a huge number of the books that are out there. And right. so people are aware that it's happening, but they feel like it's a secret that and that, you know, there's some, something they don't know about it that they want to know. I'm not sure that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, But I think... Yeah, I end up talking about it a lot. I wonder if part of the fascination, because part of the fascination for me is not so much the job itself, which seems like it can be fairly straightforward or not that, you know, mysterious anyway. But the fact that, for example, if you take a book like Open, the Andre Agassi autobiography, which was famously ghostwritten by J.R. Moringer, who also wrote the hairy prince of England. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what his last name is. Windsor, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he wrote that as well. And Open is a really fantastic book that a lot of people love. And I read it and I really enjoyed it. And my feeling of affection for the writing transferred directly onto Agassi, which is so odd because he did not write it very transparently, did not write it. And that's such an unusual transaction. I don't know if there's anything else culturally that is analogous. I I, I mean, one analogy I would give you that I think is um, maybe a little oversimplified is if somebody comes, if you hired an interior designer Mm, to work on your house 
or a stylist mm-hmm. to help you dress. And and somebody came into your house and said, oh, I love your house. You wouldn't right. feel like it wasn't your house. Mm-hmm. You'd feel like this represents me. It represents my taste. I live in it every day. I have much more right to it than anyone who helped me make those choices. Mm. And so, you know, there's a way in which a ghost written book should be so faithful to the subject and so true to the way they talk about themselves that your affection is not misplaced, mm. I don't think. And and if it is, then something's gone wrong in the process because it should be so true to the to the author. Mm. And when I work with a client, I always say to them, by the end of this process, you should feel like it's you. You wrote that book. You wrote that book <laughs> because it's because it's your voice mm. and it's what happened to you. And I came in and and you'd never written a book before. So it would have been hard for you to stare at an empty page, but you are able to talk about what happened to you and what was meaningful. And together we develop it. So it's a true collaboration that isn't um, a deception. Hmm. That's fascinating. So what is, I'm thinking about how in this story about um, Amelia Earhart's husband, George Palmer Putnam, who really leaned very heavily into employing ghostwriters in a way that I think was rather novel for his era anyway. Um, as you say, now I think the statistic is something like most publishing houses admit that something like 75% of all the sales are are at the hands of ghostwritten <laughs> It's kind books, of amazing. Which is kind of <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, and he, one of the other distinguishing characteristics of Putnam was that he was very, very impatient and he sort of wanted to cater to the public's fascination with, you know, an event or a moment in the culture immediately. And so, for example, with Lindbergh's um, record-breaking flight across the Atlantic, the ghostwriter who (laughs) Putnam hired essentially wrote the book in 11 days of the entire journey. And then Lindbergh pushed back on that and wrote it himself and, and did it in three weeks, which was very slow, according to Putnam. But but I'm curious what your the scope of your process generally looks like, and or is it all over the map? Well, I've definitely never done a book in 10 <laughs> days. I'll tell you that. And but what what's interesting about that is, yes, I, I mean, I think Putnam was definitely breaking new ground when he had this idea that you could um, capitalize on a media sensation right away. Mm-hmm. And probably ever since, that's what publishers have been trying to do. I'm right. never, I've never written anything that quickly, but a, a rush book for me would be three to four months from start that's to finish, fast. which is fast. And, you know, the other thing I would say about it is I work with people who are often really smart and probably capable Mm. of writing a book if they weren't extremely successful and busy. Mm. So if you took them out of their lives and locked them in a cabin for two years, Mm. they could teach themselves how to write a book. They could get a lot of it on paper. They could hand it into an editor and the editor could polish it up and publish it. But nobody wants, they don't want to do that. And nobody wants to wait. So they bring in somebody who can help speed things up. Mm. So in a four-month period, that means working pretty fast, interviewing, and writing at the same time. You know, I, I 
love to have more time, but there is kind of a thrill of a mm. rush book too. And, you know, everyone, everyone I think is more responsive to a deadline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to fill up the space you're given. Mm. So it can be done in, in four months because if you think about any person's life, you know, if you start, if you sat down with somebody and started to tell them your whole life story mm-hmm. or all the highlights in the beginning, you'd think, oh, we're going to be here for a year. And then 20 <laughs> hours later, you'd be like, you'd be saying, um, OK, I, th- I mean, I don't know what else I really have to say. Right. <laughs> we we just and there are some people who who, you know, if you talk to a a movie star who's been successful for 50 years, there's a lot to cover. But um, anyone who's doing a a, a crash book mm-hmm. probably has a single event for which they're famous or a single moment in time. And that's the center of what you're talking about. And then you're going to kind of build to that. Um, so you can, I mean, 20 hours of interviewing get will get it. you pretty far. So to some degree, is your job to like midwife the story out of a person? Yeah, that's a great verb for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> if that's a verb. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is their baby. Mm-hmm. It's their baby. And and by the time it's published and out in the world, I get to disappear, which I enjoy. Uh-huh. Um, the publicizing of the book and is, you know, not something I'm interested in. It's I get to dwell in the just in the writing part, which mm-hmm. is, you know, my favorite part of it. How many books have you ghostwritten? I don't know off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. definitely over 20. Wow. And is the the subject like a, a wide range or do you tend to have a certain thing you like to do? I've I, I have a, um, I've done a range of books and I enjoy that mm-hmm. there. I've done celebrity memoirs, but I've also done um, books that are more in the inspirational or I guess self-help space. Mm-hmm. And then I've done book doctoring, which is when somebody does a lot of the writing themselves, but needs a coach or needs help shaping it. How tricky is that? I, I mean, again, I go back to the the house analogy because I say to them, I say to those clients, it's easier, you know, when you have somebody renovate your house and they always come in and they say, actually, it'd be easier to just start just Mm -hmm. tear it down and start from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody comes to me with something they've already written, I have to explain to them why things need to change as opposed to just um, structuring it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So here's why this sentence needs to move to this other paragraph. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's kind of really in the weeds sometimes. Yeah, then you're a writing teacher for someone who's not even a writer. (laughs) Correct. Which, I mean, it's, it's part of the experience for them that I don't, that I like them to have. You know, I, mm. I think um, I want them to enjoy the romance of writing a book. Mm. Um, and these are often people who have, when people are, are famous or well-known for something, they have to be careful about what they say. Yeah. And when they're writing a book, often for the first time, they don't have to censor themselves or talk in sound bites and be really careful because they actually have ownership of their own words for the mm. sometimes for the first time. Mm. So it's very liberating for my celebrity clients. 
So you're contracted by the subject. You're not contract again, to refer back to George Putnam, he was a publisher and he would hire, I'm sure he was doing all sorts of things that analogous to the old studio system are now like completely verboten. But, you know, he would contract with the subject to publish the book and then he would also hire the writer. So the writer was basically working for him. So, but it sounds like you have a relationship directly with with the subject of the book and then their relationship with the publisher is separate? Yes, that's how it works 90% of the time. Occasionally, the publisher will hire me, but um, I think it's cleaner for everybody, sure. If, especially for the publisher, if, the, if we are the author mm-hmm. and they are the publisher. I see. Hmm. Um, is there a story or type of story that you're particularly proud of having worked on? Many. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a book that I did where I only had 10 hours with my client. Wow. That was a bestseller. So you knew going in you had a limited amount of time. And so you maxed out the question asking. Yeah. And um, and it's it was a book that was true to that person, but also didn't um, I didn't pad it. I didn't want mm-hmm. filler. I just, mm-hmm. um, you know, luckily that client spoke really quickly and we got a lot done. <laughs> and then I've also had I had a project where my author, it was a nonfiction work, not a memoir. And the author couldn't really get it to a place where the publisher was happy. The editor was happy. And we had to rewrite it three mm-hmm. times. And Oof. at that point, um, he's frustrated. I'm frustrated. But the challenge there for me that I enjoy is we respect our editor. Mm-hmm. We know the editor's a really smart mm-hmm. person and we know the editor cares about getting a great book. So mm-hmm. we just have to trust him that if he's not understanding what we're trying to do, right. then a lot of other people won't. And mm-hmm. we just have to keep mm-hmm. trying. Mm-hmm. And so I, I liked that because it was a challenge. You know, it was a challenge to get my author from a place where the editor wasn't connecting mm-hmm. to a place where the editor was. Mm. And you did. Yeah, and we did. And again, a bestseller. <laughs> oh my gosh, congratulations. So, and not always easy. N- no, I wouldn't imagine it's ever easy, actually. <laughs> um, how does your visibility work? Is it variable? Is it, again, we all know that Moringer wrote the books that he's talked about writing. I'm sure he's written other ones that he doesn't talk about. But is that something that's, you know, decided in each contract? Is that something that's up to the subject? Yeah. So ghostwriters negotiate for placement for credit Mm -hmm. and you can get credit on the cover. You can get credit on the title page. You can get acknowledged in the acknowledgements or you can be invisible. Mm. Um, I always say, and it's true, that I'm not trying to be famous. Mm -hmm. So I don't care about being on the cover. And I think another name on the cover of the book, on the jacket of the book, clutters it up. Um, I like to be acknowledged on the title page because I like people in the industry to know that I was involved. Mm -hmm. And I had one author who had several bestsellers. I was always on the title page. And I asked her if anyone had ever asked her a single question about that other name that was on her book. And she said no. And I said, that's perfect. That's Mm -hmm. exactly 
how we want it to be. Mm. It's not interesting. It shouldn't be. I mean, it's interesting enough for us to talk about it here. Mm. But if you're reading a book, the help that the author had should be kind of irrelevant. I mean, the editor doesn't usually get credited other Mm -hmm. than on the acknowledgement page. Um, Other ghosts, I, I have a lot of ghost friends. Yeah. And other people feel really differently about that. They sort of feel the same way you would in a TV show or a movie where everyone who worked in it gets a credit at the end. You see them scroll by and, you know, why should it be any different? But I don't feel that way. I'm not in it for my ego and I don't want to distract from the book. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I'm i happy with that and I'm fine mm-hmm. being in the shadows. I don't really love it when they want me to be completely invisible because then it feels like we're making ghostwriting into something shameful mm. when it shouldn't be. It Why, you know, why would... Um, somebody who spent their life working on some other skill be expected to be able to write a book right. when the time came. So um, I think the reason I like to get credit is so that people understand that ghostwriting is a legitimate, you know, endeavor, endeavor mm-hmm. and Profession. and that there's there's nothing wrong with saying you had help. Right. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How did you come to this profession? What was your path? Um, I worked in book publishing Mm -hmm. for a decade, and I wasn't planning to be a writer, mostly because I didn't know that I would 
ever be able to support myself as a writer. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to L.A. I was pregnant. I was uh, my husband was working here. I didn't there, there's no publishing in L.A. I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, I'd already published a couple books that memoir ish books. So I had an agent and my agent started you know, asked me to do a rewrite on a book. Mm. And um, I enjoyed that. And then she said, I'll put you up to ghostwrite a book, but um, I can't really fight for you because you have no experience. And I kind of lucked out. That was an A-list actor who asked the candidates to write a chapter in her voice over the weekend without talking to her. Oh, my goodness. So there were only three people up for the job. One of them said they weren't going to do that. <laughs> the other one, um, I don't know. I think the other one was a man and I was a woman. And then I also just said to my husband, you know, these are experienced ghosts. There's no way they're going to spend as this. much time mm. as I'm going to spend this weekend working on this. Mm-hmm. And so I got that job and then I had a credit and I just loved doing it. I loved it because... It had all the elements of writing that I enjoy. It was sort of like, I didn't have to do any research. Mm -hmm. It's collaborative, so you get to be with another person. I never really wanted to just sit at home alone with ideas coming to me somehow from the sky. (laughs) So you're given this kind of dump of material. A lot of times it's juicy. It's like being in People magazine, you know, Mm -hmm. in the pages. So you're getting this, um, these great stories and then you're part therapist, part editor, part puzzle master. You know, there's this, it's sort of like this jigsaw puzzle that's mm. given to you. You have all the pieces, but you have to figure out how they fit together. And and I just loved that process. Mm. And I love talking to somebody about their life and seeing themes emerge in somebody's life. And it, that's sort of, that's how it's really like therapy. And therapy, you're making you're writing the story of your life so that you understand yourself mm-hmm. and when you're writing a book you're you're figuring out the points of your life so that other people understand you mm-hmm. um so that that process is really um fun have you ever had anyone you've worked with tell you that the process was therapeutic for them that they had a better understanding of themselves or their journey after doing the work uh, every time oh wow <laughs> yeah I, I mean I that's think that's amazing that's it's because you're in it together you yeah. really are um maybe it's not true every time but what a, a fascinating exercise too as a for, as a form of therapy for someone to even if it's never going to be published because they're not known if someone were to work with a person to just write down their life story and have it filtered through the lens of a person who knows how to tell a story it's a really interesting new modality we've just invented. <laughs> yes. The difference is that when you publish a book, you are protecting yourself a little bit. Mm. Right. So you sure you don't maybe don't want to tell everything. Mm. But but the but what I say to my authors when we're talking is let's just just tell me and we'll figure out if it goes in the book. Mm. So it allows them to kind of at least know admit to the whole story so they don't they're not carrying that weight anymore right Mm -hmm. it it is you know kind of healing in that way Mm -hmm. um but then afterward they can go back and say okay that was i i don't want to say that even though um it's not on brand or whatever it is you know 
I'm just thinking about voice as a writer. And and you mentioned that this person who sort of set you up for your first <laughs> tryout um, was specific also about auditioning in a voice. And I'm wondering, is there a distinct voice for each of the books that you write? And how difficult is it to come to that? I mean, it's difficult enough as a writer to find a voice for a piece, you know, period, end of story, then to have it and I don't know if it's actually harder or easier for it to have to align with the persona of a person who exists in the world. What is that process like? So when we talk, you know, we have a, a sure. voice that our friends recognize. Yeah. And then if you really just took the way you speak mm -hmm. and put it on paper, it wouldn't sound great. Mm -hmm. It's just that we, we convey so much humor, emotion. Um, we connect with people when we're talking in a way that um, has to be kind of translated to the page. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the, there's no magic trick to doing that. I mean, I, what, the way I think I do it is by spending a lot of time with a person using the way they phrase things mm -hmm. a lot and trying to create a voice for them on paper that feels true to who they are mm. in the world. So you're a little bit chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Collecting <laughs> the voice cues. Basically. Yeah. Um, and if and then and then it's part of the process, too. So in the very beginning of a project, you know, I'll draft something and say, is this sounding like you? And you um, and I give it to them and if you read something that was supposed to be you, you know exactly, you know right away what doesn't sound like you. Mm -hmm. So that's a really important part of the process, which is here it is on paper, fix it. Mm. You know, oh, I would never say that mm -hmm. or I would never say it like that or this isn't what I meant. Mm. So it's really important to, for, for me to make clear to them that nothing has been written in stone. And, you know, sometimes they want me to make them funnier and smarter than they are, you know, mm -hmm. the, the number of people who say, I want to sound like David Sedaris mm -hmm. is kind of amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I always say to them, if I wrote like David Sedaris, I would be David. I mean, I would be David Sedaris. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be ghostwriting. Right. I mean, <laughs> and if and if you sounded like David Sedaris, you also would be in a different position. So and if David um, Sedaris were a ghostwriter, everyone would sound, sound like, like David, David Sedaris. Sedaris. I mean, I think that I have a very, you know, I, there's something ghost like about me. I, you know, even I think I know. Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I don't look as like someone a ghost, who realize, knows you in real life. I'm I not. would not say there's something <laughs> ghost like about I you. Just so load into a please room. explain. explain. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I noticed that when I'm, even when I'm just socializing with people, I kind of want to, I want to connect. And when you want to connect with somebody, you kind of, everyone does it a little bit socially. You find what you have in common mm -hmm. and you kind of lean into that in your conversation. So you're looking for common ground just generally in conversation. And and as a ghost, I have a lot of empathy. So my husband always says that I drink the Kool-Aid of my authors. Mm -hmm. I'll come home and say, this person's so amazing what they've been through and the way they've processed it. You know, I'm really on their team. I'm on their team and I'm and I'm feeling their feelings and I'm, you know, really engaged in, you know, putting myself in their shoes. And so that's a big piece of creating the voice and staying in the voice. 
Has there ever been someone you had to decline because you didn't feel you would be able to have that level of enmeshment or blending or whatever it is? Yeah. I've, I mean, I say no to projects often when I just, there's no connection. I And I've been pretty lucky in being able to um, connect with my authors. I think if you spend enough time talking to somebody and they're really being honest with you, you end up liking them. Mm, um, that's interesting. And... But I, I mean, I had one client who just kind of had a wall up mm. and I never really broke through a perfectly nice person, but who didn't have sort of a a deep way of looking at things. So even when they told a story, there was no story to the story. Mm. You know, you'd say, oh, oh, what is your sister like? And they'd say, she's the nicest person. Huh. Mm. And there's just nothing there. And so this was a person who'd had a very interesting life, but but didn't see it in color. Mm. And I did the best I could, mm. you know, and I and I think that the client was happy with the book, but I didn't think there was much to it mm. in the end. Have your subjects been male, female, all sorts of different people? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah there's a range. And and I like it that way, mm. you know. Mm. Um, I think in the beginning, I had a number of w female clients, and I was glad to put some men on the list, mm -hmm. too. And do you have multiple projects going at one time, usually? I do. And how's that? Because I have found that to be, maybe it's just that, you know, as I get older, I can't do more than one thing at a time. But I really can't think about working on more than one thing at a time if I'm writing. It's... It's happened to me, especially lately, because projects have come up and I just can't say no to them. They're so they're great and interesting. Mm. But there is something about the process so far. Um, it seems to sort itself out. My clients are often really busy. Mm. So there are these sort of dry spells and um, I'm able to kind of juggle the projects. It's always my goal. And so far, I've succeeded in having my clients feel like they're my only client, that's really important to me. You haven't yet confused anyone's stories. No. <laughs> and I've never had to pull a Peter Brady where I'm changing, <laughs> you know, running into one room and pretending to be in one meeting and then running back into the, another meeting. Yet. Um, <laughs> yet. No, it's it's gone well. And, and there's something nice about going back and forth between the projects for me. Um, it just... I like being busy mm. and I like feeling and they're all moving at different paces. Mm. I might be interviewing on one when I'm writing another. So they're sort of different muscles. Mm. Do you have a um, a, a fantasy client? <laughs> Many. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to say names if you don't want to be like types or types of stories that you're hoping to tell. Yeah, that's a good question. I, and I should have the answer at the ready. Um, but I like to work with people who have a have something they want to talk about that's beyond just their life story. Mm -hmm. So they have a reason for telling it. So, you know, you think about Angelina Jolie and the work that she's done mm -hmm. outside of acting, mm -hmm. and that makes it really interesting to mm -hmm. me. Also, there are sort of these everyday heroes, people who aren't famous but had you know, really interesting life story. Mm -hmm. I love those mm -hmm. books. Um, and yeah, and basically when you, when you look at 
you know, the tabloids or mm. or the news and you see somebody and you think, I want to know what they were really thinking. Mm-hmm. Those are the stories that I want to do. Mm-hmm. What are you reading right now? I'm in a book club where we're reading presidential biographies mm-hmm. in order. Okay, We're on FDR. Mm-hmm. So it's been about two years. <laughs> I mean, you should talk to my husband. I think he's read every presidential biography in existence about every president. Like well, he just consumes them like candy. It's crazy. It is not candy for me. No. <laughs> some is, are better than others. There are some that are pretty great. But the, the difference between biography and memoirs, that especially pre- presidential biographies, feel obligated to tell you every single thing that happened. Well, you know, because it's historically significant. And then there are so many sometimes, like when I was doing an episode on the Lincolns, I'm cross-referencing between, I mean, and who knows how many biographies have been written (laughs) about President Abraham Lincoln. But, uh, you know, I'm cross-referencing between at least three or four different books. And there are giant holes in some of them that are going meticulously in time through, you know, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And then there's stuff like we none of those mentioned the fact that his wife, you know, like threw boiling water in his face. You know, like there are these crazy omissions in any historical account that um, it's crazy making because uh, on the one hand, it's exhausting to read these books that go, you know, (laughs) minute by minute through, um, you know, FDR's 50 terms in in the White House. And then you also know there's so much being left on the floor that you you can't access either because it wasn't recorded or this person wasn't interested in it. Yeah, well, that's the the good thing about the book club is that we don't all read the same book. Oh, wow. So we come to our meetings and people and have read share. different books and oh, we wow. share. And so um, the books are really a slog for me. Yeah. <laughs> But the is meetings. this your book club? Is this really the one for you? <laughs> I, I'm in I'm in a few book clubs, uh-huh. so you know there's some are, but this one I really love the meetings. Okay, and um, I feel everyone else in the book club is in DC, oh, so nice. they're all yeah. um, a little more in that world, and mm-hmm. and it's a good perspective for me. Very different. You're like from Gary someone. Busey has a new biography. Yet. <laughs> I really love someone to read it with me. So. Um, we ask everyone, you can answer in whatever way you want, uh, including not answering at all, but um, we ask people to just reflect on whether or not there's been a significant other in their life's work, whether it is an actual spouse or a teacher, a boss, a friend, a colleague, anyone who you feel may have shifted your course in a profound way. Interesting question. Um, doesn't have to be just one person either. I mean, my... Gut is to say my husband, in the beginning of my ghostwriting, he was really, he's also a writer, so he was Mm -hmm. um, reading what I was doing, and he's a comedy writer, so he was punching things up for me. (laughs) They can't help it, can they? (laughs) But he bailed. He bailed at some point, and, um, you know, now we joke that we don't read any of each other's work, but definitely to get started, Mm -hmm. um, it was great to have... another writer right there next to me supporting me. That's great. Thank you so much for being here. This has been really, really interesting. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Join us next time on Significant Others to find out which great philosopher was pimped out on his deathbed as a tourist attraction for Nazis. Significant Others is produced by Jen Samples. 
Our executive producers are Nick Liao, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Colin Anderson. Engineering and sound design by Eduardo Perez, Rich Garcia, and Joanna Samuel. Music and scoring by Eduardo Perez and Hannes Brown. Research and fact-checking by Michael Waters and Hannah Sio. Special thanks to Lisa Berm, Jason Chalemi, and Joanna Solitaroff. Talent booking by Paula Davis and Gina Batista. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm. That's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.